following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right. Hey, good afternoon, Christian Life Austin. We are so excited to be here today. It has been an amazing, amazing weekend at Christian Life Austin, and just to echo the words of Pastor Brad, Freedom Weekend was absolutely incredible, but I want to take a moment right now to thank the volunteers who made Freedom Weekend happen. So let me just give you a little bit of their schedule this week. Thursday, they showed up for a run-through. took about two or three hours. Friday, they showed up at 5 o'clock. We left about 10 o'clock that night. Saturday, they got here at 7.30, and we left about 4.30. And guess what? They are here serving in three services. There are many people that you see with Freedom shirts on, and I just want to take a moment to give them an incredible shout-out. You guys are absolutely amazing. You're the real heroes, and we are so thankful for everything that you do. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And I'm just going to jump into this, but I want to preach to you a message that I've simply entitled, The Good Fight. The Good Fight. First Timothy chapter number 6, we're going to read two scriptures and then jump into what I believe God wants us to hear today. First Timothy chapter 6. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Turn to your neighbor and say the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. If you would, close your eyes. Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful for your goodness and your grace. We're so thankful that we just have the opportunity to be in your house with people that we love. And I just pray today that we would open up our hearts and open up our minds to what you want to speak to us here today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's get something straight just from the get-go, just from the onset of this message here today. You are in a fight. Whether you admit it or not, whether you want to join the fight or not, whether you want to win the fight or not, does not change the fact that you are in a fight. Now, it might change the outcome because you cannot win a fight without admitting that there is a fight. You cannot win the fight without joining the fight, but most of all, you cannot win the fight if you do not know who you are. So today on the first Sunday of December 2020, I believe that God wants to simply remind us of who we are. Only the one that created you can shape your identity and only the one who made you can tell you who you are. The one that made you said this, before you were born, I knew you. David in Psalms chapter 139 said, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Only the one who created you, only the one who made you can tell you who you are. And I don't know about you, but 
in this season of my life and in 2020, I want to know who I am. I want to be the truest person that I can be. I want to be real. You know, we love being here at Christian Life Austin, and one of the things that I enjoy, you may or may not know this about me, but I enjoy shoes, particularly purchasing and wearing shoes, and in particular, Jordan shoes. Um, If you don't understand this, it's totally okay, but here's what it is. It's just I'm hanging on to the broken dreams that I had as a teenager, and the Jordans remind me of a simpler era, and I enjoy wearing these Jordans. I'm a little nostalgic, and... uh, And I'll never forget, I I met a couple here, and they're an amazing couple if you've never met them. They're very sweet, very kind, incredible people. And it's Debbie and Dale Wainwright. Now, if you haven't met them, I encourage you, man. They are incredible people, and I have come to love them and to know them. But the first day that I met Debbie, now, now let me just tell you, I did not know who she was. I did not know her name. I'd never seen her before. And she asked me this very simple question. Well, first she says, hey, those are, those are some cool shoes. And I'm like, thanks for noticing. I appreciate it. Not everybody notices. You noticed. I just like to say thank you. And then she follows up with one of the most offensive questions that I've ever heard in my life. She said, are they real? <laughs> Sweet people, just the best. I, I'm so thankful for... It's actually become a thing now every... It's pretty much Sunday that I see her. I just walk by her and I say, are your shoes real? (laughs) Now, Debbie, for um, they're not here today, but I I know that they are watching online. For full disclosure's sake, I'm going to say this for her benefit because I've been roasting her a little bit, but also for your benefit. Every year for the last five years, I've gone to the Philippines. And in the Philippines, uh, particularly in Manila, there is a mall that as far as the eye can see, it is shoe after shoe after shoe. And a lot of Jordans, a lot of Yeezys, a lot of different shoes. You know, I see some nods in the house. You know, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what are, what's going on? But in Manila, there's this place where they have these shoes. And so <clears throat> I, I, I love them. I heard about it. I went, I checked them out. Now, I'm not saying any of these shoes are fake. I just know that instead of being $200, they're $20, and, but they, no one says they're fake. They look real. They, you know, and I, so, so Debbie, on that day, I want you to know that when you asked that, those shoes were real. I can't say that every pair that I have, but my shoes are real today. I just want you guys to know, but don't judge me. Just, just assume that all of them are real, and maybe one or two Jordans <laughs> is not authentic. Man, that was hard to say, but I said it, it's out there. But can I tell you, in a world of fakes and in a world of copycats, I want what's real. There is something about, that's amazing about wearing an authentic shoe versus wearing the fake. When I'm wearing the fake, I'm, man, I hope nobody knows. I'm gonna pretend like I'm still, I'm cool, I got it. Hey, oh, thanks for the compliment, but these aren't real. There's something about the real, and in a world of fakes, I want the real thing. In a world of fakes, I want a real God. In a world of fakes and copycats, I want a real church. I want to be a real Christian. And I want to know simply who I am so I can know what I can do. I want to tell you today that you are a designer's original. You are not a cheap knockoff. You are not a replica. You are not a copy. You are not designed to be a copycat. You are not designed to be someone else. You are an original design and created by God. And here's the thing about these knockoffs. 
Here's the thing about these fake shoes. They have the right design, just not the right material. And the enemy of your soul loves to present the right image, but it's made from the wrong stuff. It's made from the wrong motive. It's made from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. But I'm here to tell you today that you are made from the right stuff. The enemy wants to convince you to try to be someone that you're not, but Jesus wants to convince you to be someone who you already are. And you are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. You were created by greatness and for greatness. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Oh, come on today. Does somebody believe that they are great because their daddy is great? You know, growing up, it's so funny. My wife, she's amazing, but she used to tell me, she said, I don't understand. You were so confident in high school, and I really don't know why. And I feel like that's, you know, kind of not a compliment. And she's like, you've you, you got so much better looking with age. And I'm like, Annie, you're still saying I wasn't good looking in high school. It doesn't feel like a compliment. But she said, you were so confident. And I grew up believing in myself because one reason, my dad believed in me. He, he taught me to walk with confidence and humility. He taught me to never be intimidated, but to always be respectful. He told me to not be afraid to be myself and that sometimes I might even have to fight to be myself in a world of copycats. He told me to walk on purpose and in purpose. And guess what? I believed it. Why? Because we have to receive our identity from a source that is credible. And this is why we cannot get our identity from social media or media or from culture, from your boss or from a friend. You have to receive your identity from the one that made you, from the God that created you. And I think a problem for many in this generation, and let me just say every generation has its own struggle but a major problem in this generation is that they don't realize that God has gifted them, that God has called them, that they are amazing, but they actually have to fight to be who God has called them to be. Because even though we were created by God and for God, we actually have to fight the good fight of faith to be who God has designed us to be. We have to fight to keep what's on the outside from destroying what's on the inside. Paul said that we should do everything that we possibly can to live in peace with everyone. And peace is this. It comes from realizing that the conditions on the outside cannot change the conditions on the inside. But we all know that without a fight, there is no peace. And without peace, there is always a fight. So what fight do you want to fight here today? A fight against peace or a fight for peace? Because make no mistake, you are in a fight. There is a fight today that is to be fought. There is a battle to be won. And there's a war to be, to be waged. But the fight today that I'm talking about is not with the world. Some of you are like, it's not because I feel like based on your, your recent Facebook post, you feel like the world is your fight. Um, but the fight is not with the world. John 16 and 13, 33 says this. Jesus said, take heart. I've already overcome the world. Newsflash in 2020, the world is not our problem. All right, I'll just keep going. The fight is not with the world, and it's not with other people. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies, because there is nothing they can do to your soul. Another version, Jesus said, Don't be afraid of who can kill the body. Be afraid of who can kill the soul. So the world's not your problem. People are not your problem. 
And the fight that I'm talking about here today, it really isn't even against the enemy of our soul. Colossians 2 and 15 says this, when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them and making us victorious in all aspects. Okay, so if the fight that I'm talking about today is not the world, it's not people, and it's not the enemy, what is the fight? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you, the fight is actually, oh, this is bad news. I'm sorry to do this. The fight is actually me. The fight is you. The fight is ourselves. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict, or in war, or in a battle with each other. There is one thing standing in between you and the person that you want to be, and it's you. It's your feelings. It's your flesh. And here's what our flesh is. It's just simply our wants, our selfish desires, our feelings, our will. And while our feelings today may be real, they oftentimes are not reality. I'm going to say that again. It, Man, our feelings make us know that we're alive. It's okay to have feelings. Our feelings dictate some great things in our life. But can I tell you today, our feelings are not reality. And the truth is, if our feelings were a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we would break up with them. We would run away from them as quick as we can because they are not dependable. They lie to you. They tear you down. They tear other people down. If one thing goes wrong, they are moody. They are upset. And if you trust your feelings, if you trust your emotions, if you trust your flesh, it will ruin your day, mess up your week, and possibly even destroy your life. And today... That's why we have to trust the truth of God's word over how we feel and what we want. And many of us in 2020 have been fighting blindly. We've been punching against an enemy that we cannot see because the real enemy is when you look in the mirror. And I've learned in my life that God will fight my battles for me and I'm thankful for that, but he won't fight me. He, he will fight my battles for me. There's nothing that can come against me that he won't help me fight, but he will not fight me. And many of us come to this realization and we come to this moment where we're like, oh no, okay, all right. So the problem isn't Facebook. The problem isn't all the people that think differently than me. The, it, the problem is not the people that think LeBron is better than Jordan. That's not the problem in the world today. The problem, you're telling me the problem is, it's me? And many of us, we come to this moment of realization and we all do it. Don't feel guilty because every single one of us do it because we justify our own actions, our dysfunction, and even sin by saying, well, yeah, I've got, I've got some stuff. You know, I've got some bad stuff. I've got some, th- some habits. I've got some things I'm not really, you know, proud of, but, but at least I'm not them. You know, I, I, at least I'm not them. You know, they're doing all of this, and yeah, I've got some bad stuff, but at least I'm not them and we all do it and that's when when you change and when you try to change people will always criticize you because guess what you were their holdout you were the standard for them saying well at least I'm not them and guess what they don't want you to change today because it challenges who they are but here's what I encourage you to do embrace the war embrace the change go to battle join the fight not with them but with yourself It's like Joseph in the Old Testament, he has this dream that he got from God. 
It's not, it's not even a dream that, that he just thought up. This is a dream. This is a God dream. But his brothers just didn't understand. Some people will not understand. But while some people do not understand, you need to understand that without the fight, you will never be the person that God has created you to be. The dream, the purpose, the calling, it always comes with a fight. It always comes with a struggle. But today there is a fight to be fought, but there is a fight that can be won. So if you're taking notes at home, if you're taking notes in the overflow auditorium or in here, I want you to know this. Point number one is simply this, stir it up. Now, I love Christmas. In fact, if it was up to me, we'd be celebrating Christmas all year long. Christmas in July, I'm okay with it. We'd put the tree up, just have it all year long. There is nothing that I enjoy better than putting the kids to sleep, all the lights are down, and seeing the Christmas tree lit up in the room. It just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy, and I'm here for it. I'm all about it. But there's one thing about Christmas that I'm struggling with. It's only happened as a parent, but but just say, you know, I love Santa. He's a great guy. I love saying it. I, he's, he's real and he's great and, you know, he brings good gifts, um, you know, but sometimes I get a little upset that Santa gets some of the credit that mom and dad should be getting. Like you got that Christmas, you got that Christmas gift on Christmas day <clears throat> and we still believe Santa's real. Santa's amazing. He's awesome. Let me just say that. I feel like I need to express that more in case anyone is watching, but I just get a little upset when they, you know, thanks Santa. No, 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 thank dad, okay? Let's, dad needs some of the credit for buying that Xbox, okay? But uh, Santa's gonna be a little busy this year. These are coming from dad, all right? I just made my decision right there. But nothing upsets me more, though, is when they get this gift from Santa, and after two days, they're not playing with the gift anymore. After two days, they got, they've got rapid, they got stuff all over the room, there's presents everywhere, and two days later, they're back on the iPad, like, ugh. What good is a gift if they're not using it? What, what, what good is a gift if you don't play with it? What good is a gift if you don't use the gift that you've been given? Second Timothy chapter one says this. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Paul was saying right here, you have to stir up the gift that you've been given. You've got to use the gift that you've been given. If you want to win this fight, if you want to fight this fight, you have to stir up the gift. Each and every person that's in this room, if there's breath in your body, there is a gift in you. There is a calling on you and there is a purpose for you. And here's what Paul was saying in this moment. These words stir up in the Greek actually refer to the coals of a fire that is dying out. And there are a lot of people in 2020 that are losing the fire that is in them because they stopped stirring up the gift. And I can think of people in my life right now, and it breaks my heart, but they were on fire a year ago. They were serving They were helping, they were loving, but at some point along the way, they stopped stoking the fire, they stopped stirring up the gift, they stopped using the thing that God had called them to use. Anybody ever been to Golden Corral? No one has raised their hand in three services, and I know that's not true. 
You ever been a gold crown? You're there, and thank you for raising your hands. A few people that are, feel bad, and now you're raising your hand. I appreciate that. You go to Golden Crown, you get up, you go through the line, and you know you got your protein, you got your meat, and then you got the carb section. You know that's the thing that we used to eat without guilt, but now we look at it and we still eat it, but we feel guilty the entire time. It's weird. We get over to the mac and cheese, the pork and beans. I don't even know what kind of beans it is, but it's some kind of beans. It's the carbs. It's the good stuff. And you get over to the, the mac and cheese, and what's on top of it <clears throat> at Golden Crown? It's this little little thin film of. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what it is. Like grease or weird, you know. I don't know what it is, but it's on top. And why is it like that? Because nobody's been by the mac and cheese. Nobody's been by the pork and beans. And here's why. Because you have to stir it up. You got to stir up the gift that you've been given. Just because you have a gift doesn't mean you have it stirred up. If you don't stir up the gift that God has given you, guess what? It gets cold. It gets stagnant. And quite frankly, like the mac and cheese and the pork and beans, it gets nasty. Come on, at the end of 2020, there is a gift that is in you. And it's time to stir up the gift. It's time to stir up your faith. It's time to stir up some imagination. Stir up some mercy. Stir up some grace. Stir up your gift. Today, why do, why do we go to church? Why do we do what we do? Plot twist, you stir it up. Why do we do small groups? To stir it up. Why do we have worship nights and listen to worship music? Because we want to stir up the gift that God has given us. Our problem is not that we don't have a gift. Our problem is that we don't stir it up. Paul knows about this. Paul is saying this to Timothy because he knows Paul at one point in his life was not using the gift that God had given him. In fact, he was using it for something bad. He was an atheist that was killing Christians and he is blinded and this guy shows up and he lays his hands on him and he receives his sight and also the gift of the Holy Spirit. A lot of us need to understand that the gift that is on us, you can't just get anywhere. You can't get it down at Barton Creek Mall or from a store. You can't get it anywhere but the gift that is in you and the gift that you need only comes when you receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're new to church or you're new to Christianity. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit is this. It is fuel for the fight. It is strength for the journey. The Holy Spirit will stir up the gift that is in you. The Holy Spirit will help you when others can. The Holy Spirit is for you. And the Bible says it's a comforter that will help you. So we got to stir it up. Point number two is we got to step up. You're going to hear a theme at some point along the way, but we got to step up. If you can't put that scripture back up from the first point, 2 Timothy says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother and your mother. Today, I'm so thankful. As I was preparing for this message, I, I thought about this, but I'm so thankful for my parents that instilled in me not a love for doctrine, not a love for church or religion, but instilled in me a faith in Jesus. If you're here today because of your parents, guess what? You shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be bad. You should be thankful. And guess what? I've learned in just being in, involved in student ministry and young adults and ministering to the next generation. I've heard too many youth pastors say this in a message. Maybe you're here just because your parents made you. That's great. That is awesome because guess what? So many times in our life when we can't make our own decision, I'm so thankful that my parents made me show up. And when they say that, I'm like, man, I'm glad they made, if they didn't make them show up, we wouldn't have anybody here. I don't know what you're complaining about. Your parents made them show up. I'm so thankful for my parents today because they instilled in me, just like Timothy, a genuine faith. Man, I encourage you, if your parents are alive, your parents are around, send them a text. 
Tell them. Say thank you. I know there were some Sundays you didn't feel like getting up. And I know I didn't feel like getting up and I made your Sunday hard, but thank you for putting a genuine faith in me. But today, maybe you're here and you're a first generation believer. Maybe your parents just didn't get it right. Can I encourage you today that you can? Maybe your parents didn't show you the way, but you can show your kids the way. Can I encourage you, if you're a first generation believer, you are setting your family up You are setting your children up for future blessings and for future benefits because you are choosing to fight the good fight of faith. What Paul was saying to Timothy was this. Your mom, your grandmother, they had amazing faith. They were incredible people. But guess what? They're not around anymore. They had to step out, and it's your time to step up. Some of you are here today and you know about stepping up because many of you knows what it means to have someone step out on you. You know in your own life that you've had to step up because someone else stepped out. Maybe your dad stepped out on you and maybe your mom stepped out on you or maybe you were in a relationship that you thought was great, that you trusted, and someone stepped out on you. And all of a sudden, you had to step up. I want to encourage you right now that while many in 2020 are stepping out, that you can step up. Paul was moving on. Paul had done his work. Paul had done his ministry, but he was encouraging Timothy, hey, some great people have gone on before you. These weren't even bad people, but these people at this time was up. It was over. They had stepped out, but guess what, Timothy? It is your time to step up. Please hear me today. Do not look at what you're doing right now as insignificant or unimportant or not valuable. God is preparing you. God is guiding you. God is leading you. God is helping you so that when someone else steps out, it is your turn to step up there have been movements there have been churches that have had effects all over the world even in this country in this state and in the amazing city of Austin they've had an impact and can I tell you I am so thankful for each and every one of those churches but guess what those times are over Christian life Austin it is time to step up we are waiting for someone else we are waiting for the right moment we are waiting for the right song or the right preacher or the right conditions we aren't waiting for another church we are the church we aren't waiting for someone to preach the gospel we are the gospel the Bible says we are epistles known and read of all men. My son, he's, he's going to be six this week, and I can't believe it, but he started school, and because he started school, that means my two youngest are at home most of the day, and so as he starts school and, and I, I go to work, I leave, and Brady's already gone, and Dean's right here, my second oldest, and I tell Dean, guess what, Brady's, Brady's moving on. He's going to school. It's your turn to step up. He's like, so I'm the leader? I'm like, you're the leader, Dean, but that means Brady's not taking care of you anymore. It means you have to take care of your brother. And I'm trying to tell them right now, leading is serving. So just because you're the leader doesn't mean it's all about you. That's another message. I'm going to keep moving on. But because Brady is stepping out, it's Dean's turn to step up. So we got to, we got to stir up. We got to step up. And then thirdly, we got to speak up. So I love, I love Freedom Weekend. It's such an amazing thing. And we've talked about it a little bit, but if you haven't been through freedom, I'm begging you, do it. It's something that will change your life. It'll touch you in an amazing way. And we promise, this is a guarantee, it will be something incredible for your life. And one of the things that I love about Freedom Weekend 
is that we have sessions where we talk about different things that we battle against, that we struggle against, whether it's pride or lust or anger or unforgiveness. We talk about these things. We present the truth of God's word. Then we have a prayer partner. Someone comes forward. After you've talked about that, you go forward, you pray with someone, and it's an amazing experience. We cry, we pray, we repent. Every session is absolutely unbelievable. And if you can go through a freedom weekend without crying, I will be impressed, or I will think your issues are bigger than anything that I've ever seen. I I don't know which one. But freedom is so amazing, and I love that at the end of these sessions, we get up and we do these declarations. We say these things, and we're really just repeating the truth of God's word. But sometime in your life, and sometimes in your life, you have got to speak up. Sometimes in your life, you have to speak up just to let your friends know. Sometimes you got to speak up just to let the enemy know, but most of all, you've got to speak up to let yourself know. And these are my declarations at the end of 2020. I will not be giving myself to petty things. I am not fighting fellow Christians. I am not fighting against people. I am fighting for people. I choose to fight the good fight of faith, and it's not so much about what I'm against. It's about what I'm for, and I'm for my friends that don't know Jesus. I'm for the single mom. I'm for the orphan. I'm for the down and out. I'm for those in prison that can't help themselves. I am for people that are lost and hurting. Some of us, and that's me included, have spent so much time telling people what we are against that we don't even know what we are for anymore. Quit being so negative in a negative world. Guess what? I'm not surprised when the world is negative. I'm surprised when the church is negative. It's not our responsibility to be negative. It's our responsibility to cast vision and give hope and tell somebody that something better It's coming. I don't know how your 2020 has gone, but let me speak some things over your life. Let me speak some life over your life. This is the truth of God's word that we find in scripture, and we need to say these things out loud so that we remember them and we know them. God is our refuge. He is our deliverer. His mercies are new every day. His joy is our strength and his wings are our shelter. He heals our broken heart. He restores our soul. What we have sown in tears, we're gonna reap in joy. He gives me a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Come on, in the middle of 2020, can you just put your hands together and say, thank you, Jesus, that you're taking care of me. Thank you that you're helping me. Thank you that I can trade in my sorrow for some joy. I can trade in this heaviness for a spirit of praise. Oh, come on. I think you can do better than that at the end of 2020. He's a good God, and I give him praise in this moment. So number one, we stir up. Number two, we step up. Number three, we speak up. And number four, we give up. Wait. (laughs) This whole message has been about fighting and stepping up. Come on, let's go to war, let's go to battle. And now you're telling me to give up? This is the moment in the message where my wife later is gonna be like, hey, your message was great, it was awesome, but you lost me at the end. It, It doesn't really make sense. But the gospel is different. The church is different, Jesus is different. If you wanna be first, you're gonna be last. If you want to go up, you got to go down. If you want to win, you got to give up. If you want to fight the good fight of faith, you have to give up. And today I don't mean that you need to give up, but I do mean that you need to give up trying to fight this fight on your own. 
I don't mean that you need to quit, but you need to quit trying to make it on your own. Here's what I've learned in my life, that I can go so much further with Jesus than I could ever go on my own. And the more I lean into grace, the more I lean into his mercy, the more I lean into his goodness, the more I prosper. But the more I try to do it on my own, well, you know how that goes. David said in Psalms, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I'm weak. Today, there's nothing wrong with being weak. Can I encourage you at the end of 2020, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all together. But in your weakness, in your brokenness, in your pain, when you come to that moment that says, I can't do this anymore. In those moments, turn to him. Because God specializes in weak people. God specializes in people that can't admit their brokenness, in people that can admit where they fall short. God specializes with people that they just come to the end of their rope and say, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot go on. I am weak. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. My grace is all you need. Why? Because my power is made perfect in what? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may be revealed. Today, you'll never see his strength until you admit your weakness. The, the, the thing that the enemy wants to use to destroy you is the exact same thing that God wants to use to build you. Let me say that maybe a different way. We all have weaknesses. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have a battle, that doesn't have a fight, that doesn't have a struggle. Being weakness or being weak just means that you're human. But the enemy wants to prey on that weakness. But God... He wants to use that weakness to point it back to his strength. Today, I encourage you to allow God to use your weakness to show you his strength instead of allowing the enemy to use your weakness against you. I'm 37. I have three boys, amazing wife, incredible life. Uh, but if you don't know my story, when I was 15, I was raised in a pastor's home, an amazing dad. The more I talk about him, the legend grows, but he really was an incredible dad. I always felt safe in my home. I always felt like I had fun moments, incredible memories. He worked hard. He, was, he, he worked full-time as a salesman and also was a full-time pastor. Started a church with nobody. We were in a storefront with just my family. Those were fun days. I heard some really bad preaching. He's an amazing man. In fact, I would even say a prince of a man. He loved Pastor Rex. I told this story in the first two. It wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to tell it. He loved Pastor Rex. And I remember one day that we were going to hear Pastor Rex preach at a, at a conference and it was, it was amazing. Whether you know this or not, Pastor Rex is a legend. He is known all over the world. And, I, and I've never met a person that doesn't love Pastor Rex. And what a compliment to say about someone in all walks of life. But I remember on our way there, 
my dad, it was just a special moment with him. I, I'm one of four siblings. And so when you get those moments with your dad, you, they kind of stick out. And we were just riding together. We we're on our way to church. And he said, hey, you know, just so you know, he said, I might not be a big time preacher, but he said, I know all the big time preachers. I'm like, okay, dad, you know, that's cool. And, and I'll never forget at the end of the message, Pastor Rex preaching an amazing, you know, sermon like he always does. And it was incredible. And I'm standing there talking to some friends. I'm a teenager, just standing there hanging out. And, and I hear this booming voice that you might hear every Sunday. But that bo- booming voice said, Skippy Dagle. That was my dad's name. And it was Pastor Rex saying hi to my dad. And I'll never forget the angle where I was at. Pastor Rex is back to me, was to me. And, and then my dad was hugging him kind of put his head over his shoulder and I could see my dad looking right at me. It just happened to be a moment, he just winked. That's who my dad was, he was fun, very serious, very disciplined, but, but had a fun side of life. And he was just an amazing man. And um, when I was 15, he got sick with cancer. And over the course of five years, I watched this guy who got up at 4.30 every morning, played basketball and racquetball, loved life, full of life. I watched for the, over the course of five years to as he whittled down to nothing and eventually passed when I was 20 years old. And and for about 10 years, from from the age of 20 to around 30, 31, I I can say this honestly now, but there might've been one or two times that I cried about my dad passing. And it wasn't because I didn't miss him or it wasn't because I didn't love him. And now I cry all the time, you're gonna see this. But I didn't cry. And I, I think a lot of times the reason was is because I was trying to fight a fight on my own. And I was doing it the only way I knew how. I didn't live wild or do crazy things. I just ran from the pain. And um, I remember I went to a freedom conference, my first one I'd ever been to. And the first session was about pride. And I was like, well, I don't have a problem with pride, which really tells me I had a problem with pride. (laughs) The next session was about um, rejection and Forgiveness and Sarah does such an amazing job of, of doing that during our Freedom Weekend. Yeah, that's right. And um, I went down there and at the end of it, you, you need to forgive someone that's rejected you or forgive someone that you're harboring something against. And I, I remember going down there thinking, you know, I don't really have a lot of unforgiveness in my heart towards anyone. And I told the guy I was praying with, and let me just say here, the Freedom Leaders and the people that that pray with you, our prayer partners, they're so spirit-led and they're saying things over you that they don't even know the impact, but they're saying some things that the spirit is guiding them to say. And so I told this guy, I said, you know, I I don't know of anyone I need to forgive. And I said, the truth is, I, I think I need to forgive myself for, you know, just not being the person that I felt like my, my dad had created me to be, had, had taught me to be, had lived up to the standard that he had set. And this prayer partner, with such wisdom, he said, you know, that's, that's good. You know, you can, you can do that. He said, but what I think you need to do in this moment right now is you need to forgive your dad. And, and as soon as he said it, and I still feel the weight of it right now, but as soon as he said it, tears started rolling down my, my face. But I rejected what he was saying. I was kind of annoyed. Like, my dad didn't do anything wrong. He could see that. I didn't understand what he was saying. And he said, well, you need to forgive your dad for leaving you at a time when, when you needed him the most. I spent 
So many years fighting a fight that I was never meant to fight. It wasn't my dad's fault, but I'd never dealt with the fact that that feeling of abandonment was just the same as someone who willfully left. And in that moment, something broke off of my life. I, I, I can't say that my life has just, you know, been amazing since then. There's still been struggles, there's still been battles, but guess what, all of a sudden, I knew what the battle was. I knew what the struggle was. I knew what the fight was. I could now see the enemy. I could see what I was fighting against. Today, I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what's coming against you. But I can tell you this, a lot of us have been doing it blindly. We act out, there's behaviors, there's things that we do and we're like, why did we, why, why? I remember my mom so sweetly telling my wife, hey, good luck. He gets angry a lot. I'm like, thanks mom, set me up for a great marriage. <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't dealt with some stuff and it was coming out because I hadn't realized what the battle was. I hadn't realized what the good fight of faith was. And what Paul was telling Timothy, he said, if there's a good fight, then there's a bad fight. There's a wrong fight. For all those years, I was punching against an enemy that I couldn't see. I was wasting my energy and my time because it wasn't the good fight of faith. It was the wrong fight. For some of you in 2020, you've been, you've been fighting the wrong fight. You've been spending your energy and time fighting against people that really you should be praying for. You've been fighting against an enemy that's already been defeated. But today, I wanna to remind you that nothing can defeat you except you. Everyone stand, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just wanna say a prayer of blessing over you at the end of 2020. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you that you've kept us all thus far. That many are in this room feeling tired, feeling weak, feeling like we can't go on. Jesus, can you remind us in, the, in those weak moments that that's what you've been waiting for? when we come to the realization that we can't actually do it on our own. That the enemy would love to try to convince us that we need to fight this fight by ourselves, that no one can help us. And God, you know the feelings I felt as a young man, feeling abandoned, feeling like I had to make a decision that, you know what, if no one helps me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. God, as much as I tried, I could not do it without you. And God, I just pray right now for every person that's in this room. I pray, a, I pray a prayer of blessing, God, that you've seen their battle, you've seen their struggle, and you are with them and you are for them, and there is nothing that can stand against them. And peace comes when we realize that nothing on the outside can change what's on the inside. God, I pray that the Prince of Peace speak peace over their life, that we don't have to be afraid of the future, that we can step into 2021 in your purpose, in your calling, and in the gift 
that you gave us before we were ever born. But we've got to remind ourselves to stir up the gift. As we do that, we'll live an overcoming life. And we'll realize that one day we fought, like Paul said, the good fight of faith. That we were more than conquerors. That we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by our testimony. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you for the reminder that we have the strength, that the Holy Spirit is with us, that it is fuel for the fight and it's strength for the journey. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we just put our hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. We're gonna make it. We're almost there. I don't know what it looks like, but I know this God is with you and he's for you. And we're two weeks away from Christmas. And it's okay if Santa gets a little bit of the credit. Hey, have a great week. Go in Jesus' name. We'll see you online Wednesday night and we'll see you Sunday in the house. We love you and have a great, great week.